Well, there is so much going on in the Big 12 Conference, both on and off the field. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. It's great to be here with you guys for another week of Big 12 football talk, and we hope that you are enjoying it, whether it's on the radio, the podcast, uh, wherever it might be. Thanks so much for being a part of it. So we've got to start with the college football playoff rankings. And suddenly Iowa State emerges as the Big 12's best chance to crash a college football playoff. And how 2020 would it be for the first two-loss team to make a college football playoff to be a non-Blue Blood Iowa State Cyclones team? Like, it's not likely, but... If you were to make the case, you can make the case after the college football playoff rankings came out. So here's what they looked like. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M, and Florida, one through six, did not change. Iowa State then makes the jump to number seven. And the important thing here is they jumped over Cincinnati. Now, they probably would have gotten over undefeated Cincinnati no matter what if they were to win the Big 12 title and beat Oklahoma next week. But the fact that they're there right now is very, very telling. Um, And you just think about what this team has accomplished this year. And Oklahoma's down at 11. I don't think Oklahoma can get there. But Iowa State at seven's got a shot. Got a real shot. If you have two wins over Oklahoma in a season... And if you actually look at how the year played out, that loss to Louisiana is still mind-boggling to me. I mean, I know that there were some guys missing and, you know, some COVID issues leading up to it, but still, it's a mind-boggling loss. I know Louisiana's 9-1. I mean, they're not a terrible group of five team, but still, it's it's, it's mind-boggling to say the least. But their two losses are to top 25 teams, technically. They've got great wins. Um, And if they get another one over OU, I mean, they should jump A&M and uh, Florida, if Florida loses to Alabama in the SEC title. But then the question is, what happens in those other slots? Alabama is going to stay in if they win out, obviously, as number one. If you're an Iowa State fan, what you would want is for Notre Dame to beat Clemson again. Because if Notre Dame beats Clemson for a second straight time, second time this year, Clemson's done. I mean, Clemson cannot make... uh, a college football playoff. They just can't with two losses and not being a conference title winner and two losses to the same team. I mean, get out of here in the same conference. No, goodbye. See you later. They should not, not be anywhere close to a college football playoff. And then the question is Ohio state. What happens with Ohio state? Well, conveniently on Wednesday, the big 10 changed its policy that teams must play a minimum of six games in order to be eligible for the conference championship. Why? Oh, because Ohio State's not going to play six games. Because the Michigan game was canceled due to COVID issues with the Wolverines. How nice. How convenient. By the way, Nebraska, you tried to schedule a non-conference game. And what happened? The Big Ten said, no, we've got rules. Oh, we've got, you cannot work around our rules. And now they change the rules for Ohio State. Come home, Nebraska. Come home to the Big 12. This is a conversation we'll dive into more another day. But come on home, guys. Okay? Please? Seriously. 
The Big Ten disrespects you more every single day. But now you're going to have Ohio State probably as a Big Ten champion with a grand total of six games. Six games. Iowa State will have played 11. Ohio State will have played six. That's assuming, of course, they beat Northwestern in next week's Big 12 championship. Or Big Ten championship, I should say, obviously. But if you're Iowa State and you win the Big 12 title, I, I mean, 9-2 and two, Iowa State versus 6-0 and oh, Ohio State. If the college football playoff committee is going to have any credibility left in its bones and prove that it actually is a resume-based, resume-based selection committee and not just a selection committee based on the logo on the helmet, they can right some of the wrongs and they can take a serious look and talk about the Cyclones, okay? They can. They should. Will they? Probably not. But they should. Absolutely should. So uh, let's see how that plays out. A lot's got to happen. Of course, they got to beat Oklahoma. Iowa State's got to beat Oklahoma first, and that's no easy task. I would say that OU should be a favorite in that game right now. Uh, You know, probably, I'd say a touchdown favorite. Oklahoma over Iowa State is a touchdown favorite. It's kind of where I would see it playing out right now. So they still got to win the game, and that's not going to be easy at all. Uh, you know, I would if the matchup was today, I would pick Oklahoma to win the game. But still, it's uh, it's going to be a, a heck of a heck of a matchup, and I'm so excited for it next week. So keep an eye on all of this, and we'll see how it all plays out here moving forward. But boy, if the college football playoff committee wants an ounce. An ounce of credibility left. I hope they do the right thing. But uh, man, oh man, they may not. They may not. All right, well, let's get into uh, the Big 12 power rankings for this week. And then we got some coaching news I've got to dive into. Because the coaching, I don't want to call it a carousel. Because it's not a coaching carousel. But there is a lot of drama in uh, the Big 12 conference right now with the head coaches. Now Mike Gundy's part of that. All right, so let's do the power rankings first. At number one, I've got the Iowa State Cyclones uh, dominating West Virginia. You know, dominating. Uh, that's a nice way to put it, too. 42 to 6. Teams playing the best football in the Big 12 right now. Then at number two, you've got the Texas Longhorns. I know that's going to bother some of you, but remember, I do these week by week. Like, I, it, your previous resume, for the most part, is very secondary to me in these power rankings. That's what makes it fun, right? That's where you can see big swings in the power rankings, and that's how we try to uh, make it interesting for you every week. So I've got Texas at number two. They hung 69 on K-State. Just dominating, dominating the Wildcats. And if they did more of that, just dominating teams they were supposed to dominate, Tom Herman might not have been on the hot seat like he was here for the last couple of weeks. Number three, the Oklahoma Sooners. Sooners, uh, by their standards, a pedestrian win. Pedestrian win over uh, Baylor, 27-14, but they got it done. It was probably their worst performance in several weeks. That's more of a compliment, frankly, to how well they've been playing, but I got OU at number three. At number four, TCU. Hey, give the Horn Frogs this. They quietly won four of their past five conference games, including Saturday's double-digit comeback over Oklahoma State. Uh, and they still got to take that next step. This is now three straight mediocre years for Gary Patterson, but they closed strong. They deserve credit for that. They were trailing this game big time early on. They came back, they won it. 
and TCU's got something to build on. Probably for the first time this year, I've got a losing team in the top five. Typically, if you win, you know, you'd be in the top five of the power rankings, top half, but not this week. I've got Baylor at five. Yes, they lost to Oklahoma, but that defense looked fast against the Sooners. They put up a good fight. Uh, they played much better the last couple of weeks. And as tough as they played OU, I'm putting them in the number five spot. And also that has to do with the fifth team that won this week and how unimpressive that win was. And that's Texas Tech, who's number six in the power rankings. Barely hanging on to beat Kansas at home by a field goal. I'm sorry, you don't deserve the top five. And frankly, if the teams below Texas Tech didn't, uh, you know, perform even worse, I'd have them ranked lower. The Red Raiders are just perplexing right now on both sides of the ball at times. And I don't know what to expect in 2021. I don't know why we should expect things will be any different for Texas Tech in 2021. But uh, for this week, they are number six after barely beating Kansas. At number seven, the Oklahoma State Cowboys fall from three to seven. Bad loss. You're up 13 zip in the first half. You're still in the Big 12 title race, by the way. If Oklahoma State had won out and OU had lost a game, OSU's in the Big 12 title game. But they have not played like it at all the past two weeks. But especially this game, you're up 13 nothing in contention for a Big 12 championship, and you totally crapped the bed. It's inexcusable. Completely inexcusable. And I don't know if Spencer Sanders is the guy. I, you know, he's got moments of greatness. And then he's got games like Saturday where he goes 16 of 34. And it just makes you wonder uh, whether or not he's the guy at that position for the team going forward. So Oklahoma State's number seven in those power rankings this week. And number eight, I've got West Virginia falling from four. The Mountaineers had a chance to take advantage of an emotionally drained Iowa State team. It never happened. It never came close. The defense, which is still the best in the Big 12 or had been the best in the Big 12, was smoked. The Mountaineers got to get better on offense to be a Big 12 contender. It's uh, not even debatable. And we've got a new number 10. So let me tell you about number nine, the Kansas Jayhawks. Hey, you know what? They're out of the basement, at least in the power rankings. And I'll give them this. This team is getting crushed every week. But Les Miles guys, young guys, keep coming back for more. And it almost resulted in an upset as a 27-point underdog against Texas Tech. How about that? And then number 10, the first time a team not named Kansas has been number 10 in the power rankings, and it's Kansas State. I hate to do it to you, K-State, but you know what? That was embarrassing. They've lost five in a row. They looked utterly inept against Texas, and they looked like they had mailed it in. And that's coming for a group of guys who are supposed to be young, hungry, going up against the blue blood, it's a bad look for everyone, including the coaching staff, what happened uh, the other night, the other day in Manhattan. That was awful. So K-State number 10 in the power rankings this week. I'm Pete Mundo. We're heartlandcollegesports.com. Coming up next, let's get to the coaching drama in the Big 12. And before we continue with our power rankings, guys, take a moment out. Leave us a rating and a review on the podcast. You know what it gets you in return? It gets you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. All you have to do is leave me a rating and a review on this show. Send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I've got Heartland College Sports koozies. I get them in the mail in the next couple of weeks. You keep the beer cold. Whenever you're, you know, we can go back to games or just on the beach this summer, whatever it might be, at the lake this summer, and uh, it's a win-win. 
Thank you guys for doing it. It helps this show grow tremendously, and we appreciate it. Well, there's a lot of coaching drama in the Big 12 Conference right now, and we will dive into all of it. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. It's great to have you on board for another week. As, uh, you know, there are three coaches that are getting a lot of attention right now in the conference, and they are in no particular order. Well, let's go in order. Tom Herman at Texas, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, Matt Campbell at Iowa State. We'll address the, address the situations with all of them in that order. First off, it came down this week, if you missed it, uh, Horns 24-7 had it, that Urban Meyer is not coming to Texas. And it's not really because of Texas, but the report said that Meyer is indicating he is leaning towards not coaching again due to health reasons. We know that he's had health problems throughout his career, dating back to Florida. Uh, his family, his wife, has uh, made sure that his health has come first, Shelly Meyer. And it looks like that's uh, basically going to be the, at least as we know right now, the largest impediment to a guy like Urban Meyer coming to Texas. Now, I said last week it should be Urban Meyer or bust for Texas. And I will maintain that. And if Urban Meyer's not coming here, then Texas should stay the course. Stay the course with Tom Herman. And some of you don't like that. And trust me, as I said last week, if you missed the show, like I don't, I'm not a Tom Herman fan. Like I, 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 no bones about it. Like I don't really care for Tom Herman. Uh, there are plenty of reports that he doesn't really get along well with high school coaches around the state. He's arrogant. We know that about him. Spend five minutes with him. He's arrogant. And I know all coaches have a level of arrogance, but I mean, he's off the charts arrogant. Um, but still, he has, to his credit, taken this team to the next level from where it was as a program under Charlie Strong. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's just, it's clear as day. And if you look at this season, I'm actually more frustrated with the fact that, like, they have to come back against Texas Tech, a miracle comeback to win that game. I'm more frustrated with the fact that they can't put teams away. Like, they have to play close games all the time until Kansas State this past weekend. They always, always, always play close games. It's frustrating. It's a problem. I saw a great tidbit. We wrote about it on the website. But here's, here's the stat that sums up Texas football for you this year and under Tom Herman. Texas has played with a lead, been tied, or been within one score on at least 90% of their offensive drives in 2020. Think about that. A lead? tied or within one score on 90% of their offensive drives. That is crazy. That goes to show you they play up to competition and they play down to competition. That's what they do. All right. But with all that being said, if Urban Meyer's not coming to Austin, then let's just let Tom Herman keep building this thing. At some point, just getting rid of him makes no sense. And they've got Really good recruiting class at the top three years, past three years. Last year, tops in the Big 12, eighth in the country. In 2019, tops in the Big 12, third in the country. And in 2018, same deal. Tops in the Big 12, third in the country. Now, this year, as of right now, they're second in the Big 12 and 17th in the country. But it's tough. You know, it's very tough to... Uh, recruit when all these Urban Meyer rumors are floating all over the place. And it was a tough year because of COVID. You blew out both your coordinators. You're trying to work in a new system on both sides of the ball. 
the COVID issues add to that. And you know what? You're a couple of better coaching decisions against Iowa State and a non-fumble at the goal line against TCU from being right now, you know, 7-1 and one in the Big 12, likely 8-1 and one in the Big 12 when you play Kansas this weekend. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the reality, too, for the Texas Longhorns uh, this season. And you've got to look at it without the emotion and say what makes the most sense for the longevity of the program instead of starting over again, finding a new head coach, and, like, who else is that guy who's out there anyway? People are talking about James Franklin at Penn State. I don't, I don't get it. Like, I think James Franklin's a pretty good coach, but can we not forget that when he was at Vanderbilt, like, the SEC East was a dumpster fire compared to where it is right now. It, it just, it was. So luck is sometimes part of the equation, all right? So let's keep things going with Tom Herman. I want Texas to be good again, like great again, because that's good for the Big 12. It's good for the Big 12 when Oklahoma and Texas are both top 10 teams. And then throw an Iowa State in the mix, and then you have a rotation or, you know, have a rotation from there on out of Iowa State, Oklahoma State, TCU, West Virginia, challenging for that uh, top one or two spots. That's, that's how the Big 12 is at its healthiest. So I, I would stay the course right now, uh, and it looks like that's what Texas is going to do, but um, remains to be seen in some capacity. All right, in Stillwater, fans are calling for Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy's head. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Our own Dave Beal wrote about this on the website on heartlandcollegesports.com about how basically Mike Gundy's the best coach Oklahoma State's ever going to get because if you get the hot up-and-comer and he does really well, he's going to a blue blood. And then you get another guy in, and if he doesn't do well, then you're getting worse, right? So all that's part of the equation. I do not see how you get rid of Mike Gundy and say, well, this program's going to be better off for it. I just don't. And I saw some fans on social media when we posted this article be like, well, look what Clemson did. They were never a blue blood, and now they are because they got the right coach in Dabo Sweeney. Okay, Chief, find me the program that has consistently competed with the Blue Bloods over the past generation because they just nailed it on the head coach. There's one example of it. One example. Who year And, you know, you can say Bill Snyder with K-State back in the 90s, but, I mean, year in, year out for half a decade, which is what Clemson has done now. Clemson's it. They're the only example of year in, year out competing with the Blue Bloods for national titles. That's it. Outside of that, it's the usual suspects. It's Alabama. It's, it's Ohio State. It's Notre Dame. It's, uh, you know, Florida. It's Georgia. It's Oklahoma. So this idea of, well, look what Clemson. Yeah, everyone in America is trying to do what Clemson do with Dabo Sweeney. Why is Oklahoma State going to suddenly do it better? Like, Mike Gundy's a really good coach. I have frustrations with Gundy, too. Like, I, I do. I don't understand why he can't recruit better. I think Stillwater is a cool, cool college town, a desirable place. You're a few hours from Texas. Uh, I don't think Mike Gundy likes the hustle of recruiting, and I think that he's got to own up to that. The play calling, I think, has gotten a little bit stale at times. I mean, he's been doing the same thing for 10 years on offense. Uh, that's got to update. you got to grow at the times. He may not have, in some cases, you know, that that one-on-one with the players like some players would want him to. That was a critique over the summer. Those are all well and good. 
But the idea that, you know, the next Bear Bryant is walking through the door in Stillwater when you fire Mike Gundy, you're living on cloud nine. So I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I just don't agree with it at all. I don't. And lastly, in the coaching front, Matt Campbell. What's Matt Campbell going to do? He is the hottest name on the recruiting trail or the coaching uh, carousel trail right now. I think he's staying. I mean, I, I really believe uh, that he has no, I don't, not no interest, but I don't think he's going to Michigan, even if they get rid of Harbaugh, which doesn't look likely at this point. He's not an NFL guy. I believe that unless Ohio State or Notre Dame were to open up, I just, I don't see Matt Campbell going anywhere right now. I think he's got a great relationship there at Iowa State. He knows what he's got. He appreciates what he has. He's never been a guy to chase, chase, chase. He's proven that every single offseason. He doesn't have an agent. I, I just, I don't see it happening. So I think the Matt Campbell thing, which has quieted down a little bit the past week or so, will continue to quiet down over time. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. But a lot of interesting storylines right now in this conference as it relates to the uh, the football coaching side of things especially. Coming up, our picks, our previews as we get set for this weekend on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And, guys, before we do those, uh, just want to remind you, if you are not on our message boards, get on there. We are building a fun Big 12 community. We can talk smack. We can have conversation. Uh, whatever you guys want to talk about. And we also give away 20 bucks every week to the best poster on the message board. So go to the message board or go to heartlandcollegesports.com. Click on members forums at the top. Sign up. It's completely free. We just want to welcome on Big 12 fans to be part of the conversation at heartlandcollegesports.com. So appreciate you guys checking that out. And uh, we'll see you on those forums. Well, as we do each and every time this week, we wrap up the show with our picks and our previews going into the last week of the regular season in the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. The show, heartlandcollegesports.com, is the site, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. All right, let's go in order here for the games, and let's start off with none other than Oklahoma and West Virginia. This game, of course, a makeup due to a COVID postponement, and I am going to roll with the Oklahoma Sooners minus 13 and a half if you can get it. If not, as long as you're at 14, uh, I feel pretty good about things. But Oklahoma minus 13 and a half, and here's the deal. Uh, West Virginia got crushed last week against Iowa State. We know the Mountaineers are better at home than they are on the road. We also know that Oklahoma had itself a tough week last week. So, uh, frankly, I think this, this number is low. Uh, and it's kind of based off of what happened last week. There's too much juice from just last week being put into this game. Uh, OU had its COVID issues last week. It still beat Baylor by 13 points. And Baylor played as well as anybody has played against Oklahoma in about a month and a half. OU knows it needs a huge performance against West Virginia and then a huge performance against Iowa State to even have a shot, even a shot at a college football playoff. I don't think it's likely. But they know the only way to do it is to crush both of these teams moving forward and then obviously get some help around the rest of the country. They need that big performance. Uh, on top of that, the Mountaineers' offense is just – I mean, it was bad last week, but it's been just mediocre for a lot of the season. 
And this Oklahoma defense is playing the best defense in the Big 12. I mean, them and Iowa State, in terms of defense, they're playing the best defense in the conference right now. They've owned the Mountaineers, by the way. They've never lost to the Mountaineers since the uh, Mountaineers joined the Big 12. Against the spread, they are 5-0-1 against West Virginia the past six meetings. And as I noted, they got the number one defensive efficiency in the conference, the number one rush defense in the Big 12 conference. That means shutting down Letty Brown, forcing Jarrett Daigie to beat you. That's not a spot that the Mountaineers want to be in. What is the strength of the Mountaineers? It is the uh, defensive line. We know that, right? Well, OU can combat that. The offensive line hasn't been perfect. Spencer Rattler's taken his lumps. It's not the best O-line that's been in Norman the past five, six years, but still a very good offensive line, and you got a mobile quarterback. So that takes away some of what the Mountaineers want to do on that side of the ball. You saw that last week as well against Iowa State, the struggles there. So I feel comfortable rolling Oklahoma minus 13 and a half if you can get it. If not, I feel pretty good about the 14 as well. Next up, let's get to it with uh, Texas and Kansas. Longhorns are 29, 29 point favorites. And guess what? That's where I'm going here. I know I bet against Kansas every game this year except once. I lost it last week. I knew, I told you last week when I went Texas Tech minus 27, I said, Tech has done nothing to deserve being a 27-point favorite, but Kansas has done nothing to deserve my money, all right? And they still haven't. They just haven't. And here's the thing about this game. We know that the talent level is not close, but Tom Herman You know, it looks like things have calmed down on the Urban Meyer front. But Tom Herman's just got to blow out a team to end the season here. He's just got to blow out the the, the Jayhawks. It can't be close. It can't be embarrassingly close. He's just got to blow them out. So he gets that. And here's the other thing. With a lot of these guys opting out, what I kind of noticed last week against uh, K-State, some of the young guys who maybe haven't played as much this year, they actually want to be on the field. Like, they're fired up. Uh, They're lit. They want to play. And I think Tom Herman recognizes that. So this Texas team has been better on the road, actually, uh, than at home against the spread. Texas is 2-2 two and two against the spread on the road this year. And meantime, KU is worse at home against the spread than they are on the road. So that's uh, good for Texas if you want to look at that trend. And, uh, you know, on top of that, KU, okay, last week was, was, was nice. But that also told me a lot more about Texas Tech than it did about Kansas. I think Kansas is making some strides, but still, it's a it's a bad team, very young team, and that offensive line is going to get chewed up, chewed up by the Texas uh, front line. They'll get chewed up on both sides of the ball, actually. Bijan Robinson could go off again for a second straight week, so I'm doing it. Texas minus 29. All right, then we've got um, Oklahoma State Baylor. So this is interesting because – Baylor played very well last week against Oklahoma. Oklahoma State blew that game against TCU. If this game was two weeks ago, Oklahoma State's probably a two-touchdown favorite. They're now five and a half points. I got to go with the Cowboys. I know they looked like they were totally uninterested, especially in that second half last week against TCU. But I I just got to believe that Mike Gundy's got the better team in this game it needs a bounce back. The fan base is rotting them a little bit. And, uh, you know, a guy like Spencer Sanders, he wants to go out on a high note here to prove that there's no quarterback controversy going into the offseason. So as much as, uh, you know, the Cowboys have struggled against the spread, 
They are one in five against the number in their past six games. This line feels like an overreaction to me. And it feels like a perfect storm spread where Baylor had a good game against Oklahoma, hung in there, and you know, Oklahoma State's not playing too well. It's an overreaction. And ultimately, here's what I come down to on this. Oklahoma State still has one of the best pass rushes in the league. They are third in the Big 12 in sacks this year. Baylor can't protect the quarterback to save its life. They are ninth in sacks allowed. That'll be the difference. Oklahoma State can cover this spread on the road, minus five and a half. And lastly, we've got a late addition. TCU taking on Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech has played one game since Halloween. They've had a ton of cancellations and postponements due to COVID. I feel for them. One game since Halloween. They're one and four against the spread their past five games. Uh, This can go one of two ways. TCU uh, got a big win over Oklahoma State. They just don't care anymore. They're playing Louisiana Tech. Okay, kind of nice, I guess. But, like, uh, do we really want to do this? Are we motivated in this game? The other side is, you know, Louisiana Tech is just a team that hasn't played football in two months or, you know, six weeks. And kind of just is so rusty, TCU runs all over them. It's a coin flip. You can't break down the stats in a game like this. It's a coin flip. What does your gut tell you? And I'm rolling with TCU. They played four of five. Gary Patterson didn't put this game on the schedule with the idea that his guys would get embarrassed against Louisiana Tech. All right? It's not like it's an early season non-conference game. It's a late addition. They're four and one against the spread their last five games. I think this team's going to be fired up and light things up. So I got Oklahoma minus 13 and a half against West Virginia. Texas minus 29 against Kansas, Oklahoma State minus 5.5 against Baylor, and TCU minus 21 against Louisiana Tech. I don't love four favorites. I never like taking all the favorites or, you know, all on one side. But here we are. There you go. Enjoy the games. Don't forget to leave a rating and review, and we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you leave us a rating and a review. And send me a screenshot of it to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. It helps this show grow more than you guys realize. It takes you 30 seconds. Please do it. And that's my little token of, of thanks in return. And hop on our message boards as well. They're fun. We're trying to build it up and uh, get to know you guys better. It's free. And we also give away money on the message boards. Best poster every week gets uh, 20 bucks to the establishment of your choice. So, Check it out, heartlandcollegesports.com. Click on the members forum at the top. It is free to sign up, and we'll see you guys there. Take care.